there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. Hello. So this episode, I'm going to be talking about how to give feedback and This can feel like a very cringy, uncomfortable, awkward AF thing to do. However, it will get better with time. So what we're going to talk about is a very specific case that um, a nurse practitioner mentor that I'm working with brought to me and part of our conversation. And so the context of the situation is that she wants to give feedback to her medical assistant. A couple things I want to say before we jump into like how to have those conversations with your support staff, whether it's a medical assistant, someone who works at your front desk, someone who works um, in the nursing department, etc. Um, I just want to acknowledge that this is this is a skill and it takes a long time. And, well, it doesn't necessarily take a long time, but it takes practice and it's usually uncomfortable. It can be cringy. Um, and, the, and the other complicating part is that um, when we are specifically talking about nurse practitioners communicating with their support staff, they are not necessarily their kind of quote unquote true boss. Part of our role is to give feedback because we are like directly working with them and also they have a separate boss. This is kind of, it's been complicated. I've, I found this a bit complicated myself and just, just very transparently, this is something that I am practicing. I'm not an expert and hopefully I'm getting better and better at it. But what I want to share with you is like the example of the situation and um, kind of the ways to approach it so that you can feel more confident. And part of it um, that I really appreciate is that it's, it's very structured. It's a very structured way of approaching these conversations and you still have to practice them, right? So I just want to normalize that. And then the other thing I wanted to share is that like I didn't have to start really doing this until I started this company, Real World NP, because I'm actually the boss now, right? Instead of when I was a nurse practitioner, I wasn't truly my support staff's boss. So I didn't really feel like I had that like ownership to step into like full authority, right? And so again, I just want to normalize that this can be very uncomfortable. And also there's a lot of mindset stuff in there where it's like, people are just, nurse practitioners are typically worried about like saying the wrong thing or, um, Yeah, I mean, there's just like a lot of worries about it. So just want to normalize that. And also there's a longer conversation that I had um, in an interview with Jackie Kindle, a really dear friend of mine, who is an executive and leadership coach, where we talk about how to delegate. So if you haven't caught that episode yet, definitely check it out. I'll put it in the notes below. But anyway, let's jump in. Let's let's jump in and get to some very pragmatic, practical specifics, right? And I'm going to take a little peek at my notes if you're watching uh, instead of listening to the podcast. So um, the example I want to talk about, this is what we talked about on our call. So very common situation. So this nurse practitioner is pa- works in a primary care office and she is paired with a medical assistant. They work as a medical assistant and nurse practitioner team pretty consistently. Sometimes they switch and they work with different people. 
One thing that she's noticing is that this medical assistant takes about 15 minutes to bring the patient into the room to get their history, do the medication reconciliation and the screenings. And uh, some of the other medical assistants in her office are doing it in much faster time, two minutes, five minutes. So she wants to have a conversation with her medical assistant um, and talk about this. The other part of it is, is, and actually I should have clarified this, but the preference of the nurse practitioner and the, the perception of the nurse practitioner is that she's spending too much time on the history um, and she gets a very thorough history. She's very thorough. But one of the things that she notices is that because of her licensure, she has to confirm this history. And what's happening is number one, it's not only taking longer for the patient to get in the room, it's backing up the other patients, it's putting her behind for her next patients, and it also is causing frustration for patients because they ask this nurse practitioner, why are you asking me these same questions again? So it's, so it's not only a time, it's a quality issue all around because it's time for everybody and it's also frustration of patients. The other thing that I should have like, maybe clarified with this person is she said to me, I really want her to focus on medication reconciliation and screening. So I didn't clarify with her if she's not doing that currently, but I'll, I'll include both of those options, right? So if this sounds familiar, welcome to primary care. Um, so I have to say, again, just normalizing that it was very hard for me to have these conversations when I first started as an NP. And one of the things that I think we don't really realize until we're on the job is that we're not only thrown into the medical management of patients, but also we're thrown into this leadership role that there is some learning we can do to prepare ourselves. And there's also some, like a lot of practice on the job. So just let me know. Okay. So how do we approach this conversation? Right? So first of all, deep breaths. It's okay. I think the first place to start is just recognizing that whenever it comes to either feed delegation or feedback conversations, there's like, like always assumptions, right? There could be assumptions on either side, other parties conversation, right? So just thinking, just being really mindful of like, what are the assumptions I'm making here? Right? So I'm just going to make some up based. If I was in this situation, this is what I would think. Like maybe, you know what? Maybe this person, maybe this medical assistant thinks that I want a very thorough history and that's the most important thing to me. Maybe this nurse practitioner, sorry, this medical assistant's favorite part of their job is to um, take this history, right? And have these conversations with her patients. Maybe this person could be um, realizing that she takes a very long time to room our patients and the history is taking a long time and she's not sure what to do about it, right? Those are very different perspectives. We have no idea, right? We have no idea where this person is coming from. So like, that's the number one thing to be mindful of is like, we just, just don't assume what the person is thinking or feeling or any of that stuff, right? So the, so first that step one is like, check your assumptions, right? The next thing is using, um, there's a, it's from the Center for Creative Leadership and it's called, um, there's a model that they use for feedback. So if you practice as a nurse before, you're probably familiar with SBAR, that SBAR tool of handoff situation, background assessment, and can't remember what the R stands for, recommendations, I think. So um, that's, the, that's the handoff tool that we would use to communicate in the hospital when I was a staff nurse. So this is very similar, It's only it's SBI, and that's from the Center of Creative Leadership. And so what it is is the situation, the specific behavior, the impact that it had. So instead of SBAR, it's SBI. 
And then actually I'm adding on an R here <laughs> just to improv improvise because there's also a request. Um, the other thing about the I is that it could be uh, after you get into impact, you can get into a conversation about intentions as well as request, right? So how, what does this look like, right? So the biggest thing that I've learned about giving feedback is that I'm kind of never specific enough. And I think that's just a learn through time of like, you're not going to get it right the first time and that's okay, right? When you get things back from people, you just go into, oh, okay, I was thinking that I was asking for this and this is how this person interpreted it, right? So you're not micromanaging, you're not stifling people, you're just being clear, which is kind, which is what Brene Brown says, right? So, okay, so this, let's, let's get into this example. So here's the situation. So the, and, and just also for context, when you're having these conversations, you have to do a separate, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Do you have some time? Beginning of the shift, end of the shift, right? Not in, not in the middle, not in front of a lot of people. It's a separate conversation, right? Hey, I just want to talk to you about something. I, I wanted to, I had some questions for you and I have a request for you. And, there, and, and most of the time we can assume that people want to do a really good job. So I think if there's one assumption that perhaps to hold on to is just assume the best of intentions, right? Because most people assume the worst of intentions. I don't know if you've ever been on the op, uh, receiving end of that, but it does not feel good, right? So assume the best of intentions. This person really wants to do well, wants to work hard, all that stuff, right? So let's have some time, right? So you sit down, have a conversation. So, hey, you know, uh, this is the situation part. So, you know what, yesterday in clinic, I, all of our patients, are, or this specific patient, I noticed that um, bring, by the time the person arrived and by the time they got into the room, it was about 15 minutes. Um, you're very thorough in your history taking. And I noticed that you, uh, for this specific patient, you can just start with that, right? Um, you very thorough history that you've taken on the person. You um, reconciled their medications and then you did their screenings. And that was, and those two things, medication reconciliation and um, screenings, that's, that is like the most important thing to me. So I'm, that is so beautiful. And this kind of like, it kind of like, it's not always like one, two, three, four, right? So it's like, that's the behavior and the situation at the same time. So what happened though, is that I got into my visit about 15 minutes late, which really uh, impacted my visit with the second person that I was going to see. And what they said to me, actually, this patient that you roomed, um, because your history was so thorough, it was wonderful. And also one thing that I noticed is that because of my licensure, I need to actually verify all of the history. And so what ends up happening, even though it's really thorough, I need to actually re-ask the same questions again. And what happens is that the patients, that patient in particular reflected to me that they did not feel heard and they were frustrated. They're like, why are you asking me this question again? And then just like one other thing that I, and this is, an, this is a pretty common experience that I've had, is that even when I have nurse practitioner students go in and take a history before I go in as their preceptor, the patients sometimes will withhold the full story until I get in there as the provider. And so let's just pause there for a second. So that's kind of like, and again, like I'm, I'm not like, I'm, I'm improvising here. This is an improvised conversation, right? Which it can be improvised, right? So uh, kind of in that situation, I've talked about the situation, the behaviors, the context, and then I started to get into the impact. So the impact, right? It doesn't have to be one, two, three, four. It can all be kind of woven together as long as you're talking about those main points. So that really the impact of, of you taking a very long, thorough history and taking 15 minutes is like bottom line is that it pushes the second patient, the next patient's back. 
It impairs my ability to manage my time effectively so that I can get out of clinic on time, so I can go pick up my kids. My own, my own time management is my responsibility. You're not responsible for me picking up my kids, but this would, you know, this impacts my ability to do so, right? So this is this part you can kind of you can kind of see. You can see how the conversation is going. Sometimes people can be can be um, defensive when it comes to feedback, but I think it, it depends, right? All of this is a little bit fluid. It might feel kind of clunky at first, but the next piece that you want to get into is like the intention and the request. So I have a pretty easygoing, uh, pretty um, collegial relationship with my support staff. So I can say, what are like, what are your thoughts about that? What are some things that you could do to like help reduce that time and be more be more concise with your history taking? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Right? Not necessarily what the thoughts are about about the situation, but um, just kind of getting from them. What do you think would be help? Like my goal is that we get our patients to. So the crust here is kind of woven in as well. The request here is that I would like our patients to be in the room to practice getting them in the room in about five minutes. So what are some things you can think of that would be that would help you do that? And the reason you're opening it up to them is it's not only it gets into their they can share their intents intention behind what they were doing. You get more of the story. They get to come up with their own suggestions and have ownership, right? Versus us just saying like, you need to practice this by, right? Because then the other thing you can get in, they, they will likely share is like, so I'm actually like, I'm not sure. And then if they seem like they're kind of like hesitant, I also say like, if you're not sure, I have suggestions, right? One is like, here's how you could make it more concise in the history. Ask these three questions, right? Um, or again, they can come up with their own suggestions. So, so yeah, so that's, that's again, just as a recap, so it's the situation, the um, spe specific situation, right? Like not like last week, like this, this particular patient visit, right? So if you can think of an example that happened in the last week of a patient getting frustrated because you re-asked the same history questions and that you were late to leave clinic. Maybe they're the same, maybe they're different, but you can kind of say, this is also a pattern that I've noticed, but this, this is the specific situation that I'm talking about. At this, on this day, at this visit, the, the behavior was, it took about 15 minutes to room the patient, and there was a very long history that I had to reconfirm. The medication reconciliation was missing, or um, et cetera. I love that the medication reconciliation was completed. That is the most important thing to me. Medication reconciliation and screening tests. The impact is that uh, it delayed the next patient. I wasn't able to leave clinic on time because I wasn't able to see the patients at their scheduled visit time. And um, the patient was really frustrated because they felt not heard because I had to ask the questions again. Um, and then the request is I, I really would like to work on our visit times being uh, five minutes or less, our rooming. Um, and what suggestions do you have or what supports do you need to get that done, right? It's all, it's all a bit fluid, but those are the types of questions that I typically ask depending on the response of the person. Um, and, and again, it's, it's putting it in that perspective of like they want to do a good job. They want to do well. Maybe they have no idea what's going on. Maybe they think that you want those thorough histories and they think, or maybe you had asked that before a couple months ago when you were a brand new grad and you're like, can you really help with asking all of these questions? And now you're like, no, I'm actually good um, because this pattern is happening that I didn't anticipate, right? Um, so anyway, hopefully that is helpful for you to use as like a script, as a framework, something to start practicing. And again, it might be ugly. It might be awkward. Um, I, I was like various, like even in this video, I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> just thinking about actually doing it. I'm still practicing, right? But those are the things that um, hopefully will help you start to practice and keep those assumptions in check and in mind so that you can just, you, everyone wants to do well, right? And then I guess the other part of it is, is that I'm much more comfortable doing this now because I'm in progress, right? I'm more comfortable doing it now because I'm actually the boss, but like in those situations where you're not actually someone's boss, it, I, I would recommend actually, I tend to tag in whoever their boss is, their, um, whether it's the MA manager or it's the office manager, I just let them know, hey, I'm having a conversation with this person about this and here's what I requested and here's what I recommended. Just because like they need to be in the loop too and they can also be your backup support if things are not going well. Because then the next part of when you give someone feedback is you do have to follow up and you have to be consistent, right? And that's that's a hard thing is like when you want to like swoop in and you're like, oh no, never mind, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Like that's not, that's not how it goes. Um, we do have to stay consistent. We can either at the end of that meeting, you can kind of say, maybe we'll check in at the end of the week or the end of the day. When would you like to check in and see how it's going? And this takes a lot of like, you have to like own your stuff. You have to be like in leadership mode to do this, right? So it is intimidating sometimes, but um, you want to be able to circle back with that person and not just let it be one conversation that falls off the face of the earth and then the behavior goes back again and then it's not working, right? Some people, they need to practice. They need to be reminded and that's okay. So... Hopefully this is helpful. Let me know if this is like a type of topic that you like to hear about. I really am getting more into like leadership type of stuff, this kind of like hidden part of the role transition of nurse practitioner life. So please let me know if you have specific um, requests as it relates to that kind of role transition or leadership type of stuff, because I love talking about it. I love learning about it. I love getting better at it. So, uh, so yeah, thank you so very much for watching. Hang in there and I'll see you soon. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your NP friends so together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.